I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 261. So Colby and I started the show, which I feel like we're very late to the party, but duh. Uh, New Amsterdam mm-hmm. is old. Yes. Well, we're watching it. I think it's still coming on, though. Maybe. I think we're watching it on Netflix. You are. Oh, okay. But I'm saying, like, you're not up to the current season. Oh, no. We're still in season one. There was like 21 episodes in the first season. Yeah. I think that's all I've seen. I can't figure out where it's going. Don't spoil it for people. No, 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 don't. You know I hate that. Well, 2023 is not without death for my family. I already had one person pass. No one else can pass this year, okay? My nanny passed, but she was like 93. R.I.P. nanny. R.I.P. My niece shared on Facebook like her uh, obituary, and she said, I'll never forget you and your <laughs> taco soup. <laughs> and I didn't know what she was talking about. I'm like, I guess she liked taco soup, but fuck if I know. And then my niece was telling me at the funeral about it. I was like, oh yeah, it's when I had cooked Thanksgiving, but I don't know how to do like turkey dressing, all the things. So I just did a crock pot roast with like the potatoes and the carrots. And I remember Nanny being like, this is so good. This is good taco soup, Donna. (laughs) And I'm like, does it taste like taco soup to everyone? Because I mean, I'm not a cook, (laughs) but like everyone else was eating it. Like, nothing about that is taco no, soup. No, nothing. I mean, at least she liked it, I guess. But I was like, oh my God, that is a taco soup. <laughs> Our Thanksgiving roast. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of food, I have literally never felt more Southern, but I just made us dinner and it's the first time I've ever done this. And I fried pork chops and did mashed potatoes and gravy, like real gravy, and then canned English peas. But <laughs> it was so good. I've literally never fried anything. And of course, I wanted to call my dad like six times to ask him because he was the one that was the cook in our family. Yeah. Especially with like frying chicken, pork chops and doing gravy and stuff. But I called Colby's mom because she really is like the best cook I've ever seen in my life. I always thought that you like, especially with chicken stuff, you egg wash it and then put it in the flour. Yeah. But she was like, no, just rinse it and then put it in your flour mixture. I was like, oh, well, I would have fucked that all up. <laughs> it was so good. Also, I was like, rinse it off. I wouldn't have done that. Glad I called. Yeah. Oh, not to bring it completely down, but I do want to shout out that one of our original OG creepsters, Nan Gardner, she passed away. I know. I was so sad to hear that. Me too. So thank you, Jennifer, for letting me know. We knew that she'd been battling cancer and everything, but gosh, it's so hard to lose someone. And I never met her, but I feel like I knew her. She really had been with us from the beginning. Such a huge supporter and just a supporter of podcasts. You know, if you listen to Ghost in the Burbs, she ran Ghost in the Bourbonites Facebook group and stuff. So she will definitely be missed. And just how y'all write in on sinister sightings and stuff, and you tell us how we affect your life, y'all affect ours too, and y'all really are a big part of it. I don't know why I want to flip-flop back and forth today, but now, so it was like death, food, death, and now food again, but I have a hyper-fixation meal that I have been craving so bad. Let's be honest, this is our lives. (laughs) True, true. So I saw it on TikTok because I follow Keith Lee and he's this guy, an average guy, and he reviews food and stuff. You go to Chick-fil-A, you get fries and like chicken nuggets and the uh, mac and cheese, Mm -hmm. and then you put it all together with ranch and this barbecue sauce. And I mean, it did slap, but it was really expensive and like they will not, ours, 
in our town will not give you the salad bowl. Like even if you pay extra for it, they were like, we can't let you pay for the bowl. So I had to just like mix it in my own bowl. But I'm like, I want to be able to shake it. You know, like how you used to do those McDonald McShakers Mm -hmm. and stuff. Oh, so good. Anyway, so I was like, this is good and all whatevs. But then I saw Zaxby's and they have the chicken bacon ranch fries. Oh God, so fucking good. Mm Mm-hmm. I get the hot and sweet or sweet and spicy sauce on it too. Holy crap. And it's way cheaper. And, you know, doesn't come with the problematic uh, Mm -hmm. anti-LGBTQ part. Yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. And so I'm like, Zaxby's, you got me. And seriously, I have ate that like three days. I'm like obsessed. It's so good, y'all. This is after her obsession with the barbecue burger from one local restaurant that she oh had for God. a couple months. So, like, give her, like, two weeks and she's going to be over it and she'll have something different. <laughs> that and Subway pizza, because I've been getting those, too. Mm-hmm. It's just been carbs, carbs, carbs. You know, I can't have a cock, so I have all the carbs I can, okay? So, the pizza from Subway. If you don't know, you can get pizza from Subway. And it's pretty damn good. And you can get it cut in eights. So, you know, I like smaller things like uh-huh. that. and But I get black olives, banana peppers, and uh, pepperoni, and then oregano and Parmesan on it. Oh, my God. It's so good. How did we get here? I don't know. But those are what I've been eating a lot of, y'all. <laughs> How's life, Donna? <laughs> <laughs> Just eating emotions over here, you know? Oh, but talking about Subway... I watched the Jared documentary. Was it good? I hadn't watched it yet. Girl, it's three episodes. And I definitely learned things that I did not know. Yeah, it's like way more than him, right? Yeah. I thought so. I thought it like, yeah. So I knew about him getting arrested and stuff for the child sexual abuse images. But I didn't know the other aspect of it. And like the lady who helped with the FBI to take him down and all this stuff. It was, whoa. Yeah, I don't really know much about it. I just heard that it was more than just him. And that's all I know. Yeah, it's definitely worth the watch. I know some people can't watch that kind of stuff. And I totally understand. Because there's recordings of him like talking about what he likes and stuff. Gross. Yeah. But I think that was on Discovery Plus, if y'all have that. It's three episodes and it really was like eye-opening. And finally, the damn Murdoch trials are over with. Or Murdoch or Murdoch or however the fuck they decide to say it this day. I feel like it's like Teresa Judice or Teresa Judice, like depending yes. on what episode of Real Housewives you're listening to, yes. like what season. Anyway, finally, that's over. He's sent to life in prison. Oh my god! But he's like already appealing. Of course he is. I loved all the Reba memes with yes, him. Yes, all. Like, that was all over TikTok. Don't trust your soul to a backwoods Southern lawyer. Yes. Also, Paul Flores was sentenced. He is the one who murdered Kristen Smart. And it was from that In Your Backyard or In My Mm -hmm. Own Backyard. That podcast, I think it's In My Own Backyard or I can't remember, but it was really good. But he had always seen Kristen Smart's like billboard and stuff. And so he just started doing it. He wasn't like a researcher or anything like that or whatever. And so he just started doing this and he uncovered and linked this and got Paul Flores and his father, I believe, arrested. I don't know if his father was convicted, but Paul Flores is. So y'all hear us almost every single week. Shout out our Patreoners. And we got some more this week. Desiree J from Illinois. Jennifer S from Indiana. And William H from Texas. 
But just in case you're new to the podcast and you're like, the fuck is Patreon? Or the Creepinati, because that's what we call it. Patreon's a website you go to, patreon.com slash the APC podcast, and peruse around because there's different tiers and each tier gives you something different. So what can you get? An episode extra a week? So if you got the called up blues and you're like, I need more, well, there's tons more. Tons and tons. Because when you join, you get the backlog. So episode a week bloopers stickers and a thank you letter some lives like not from candy crush yeah i mean you know that would be great but this is like on the computer or your phone lives like live streams those that i know all the tech lingo (laughs) but anyway so if any of that sounds good to you like i said go on over to patreon.com slash the apc podcast or if you want to support the podcast in a different way you can check out our sponsors for example Attitude. And Attitude gave me a good attitude when it came to sleeping, you know, because I freaking love sleep. And Attitude's clean bamboo sheets are amazing. They really are the most comfortable fabric you're ever going to feel. You know when you shave your legs and you get into a nice clean bed, mm-hmm. how it feels? That's how it feels sleeping on Attitude sheets nightly. Attitude sheets are so soft, like smooth as silk. But the thing about silk to me is it's, it's kind of hot. Mm-hmm. But like Attitude sheets aren't that at all. It's a, like a breathable cotton, but it's bamboo and hypoallergenic. You know, we have talked about how sustainable using bamboo for these products is, and you can feel great about not having anything toxic in your bed sheets. Attitude is the leader in sustainable bedding. Unlike just plain old regular sheets that takes a lot of water, energy, chemicals, bamboo is, like Donna was saying, it's one of the most eco-friendly plants on the earth. And these sheets use 99% less water than cotton. So that's over 500,000 bottles of water saved. That is a ton. (laughs) Right? And I cannot express to y'all how buttery soft these sheets are. It feels so good. I feel so fancy. Like, call me Reba McIntyre because I'm freaking fancy when I'm sleeping in these sheets. But like we said, don't trust your soul to no backwoods Southern lawyer. But trust us when we tell you, attitude, best sheets, hand down. Just the one hand. (laughs) Two hands down. All the hands down. (laughs) They're the best, seriously. So right now, Attitude is offering $25 off your first betting order with code CREEP. So what are you going to do? You're going to go over to attitude.com slash creep. That is E-T-T-I-T-U-D-E dot com slash creep. C-R-E-E-P. But it's not just sheets. It's all betting. So hurry up. Take your phone out like a keyboard ASMR and go to attitude.com slash creep for $25 off your first betting order. You can try the betting for 30 nights risk free. You can return them, no questions asked, and don't worry because none of their returns go to waste. Every sheet or pillowcase or any of the other bedding that is ever returned is given a second life through their take back program through donations. So it's a freaking win-win. Go to attitude.com slash creep. Okay, HelloFresh is back, and y'all know we love HelloFresh. We were using HelloFresh before they even became sponsors of this podcast. But we are so thankful that they are because we freaking love hello freaking fresh and march is national nutrition month and hello fresh is gonna make it easy to choose delicious dietitian approved meals 
And look, grocery costs are only going up and up and up. So that means it's the perfect time to start with HelloFresh because HelloFresh is cheaper than grocery shopping and 25% less expensive than takeout or takeaway, depending on where you're from. (laughs) HelloFresh has 40 weekly recipes to choose from and it will fit every lifestyle that you can imagine because again, I don't like to cook meat so I can get the vegetarian. And I don't want this like fancy meal because you can get it as fancy or as simple as you want it. And I want simple. I want easy cleanup, easy, all of that. So those are the meal plans that we choose. You can zhuzh it up and you can do add-ons for fancier meals or you can keep it simple like we like to. And what I like too is it makes me feel very fancy because it's got the pre-portioned ingredients. So you get your little jar with all the, you know, it makes me feel like I'm staying at a high-end hotel. Yes, 100%. Also, if you're a meal prepper or even if you're like, oh my gosh, I'm only a single person and I don't want to just get for me, get for two and then you have leftovers and you can take them to work and all the things. And with HelloFresh, you're getting seasonal ingredients at the peak. Plus... The ingredients go from farm to your house in less than seven days. So you know it's fresh. It's not like, oh, I'm going to go to the grocery store pickup and you don't know who's picking your veggies. Mm -hmm. This, you know, is fresh. I mean, hello, fresh. So what you going to do? You got to go to HelloFresh and you got to sign up because this is a home delivery meal kit system and it's going to be delivered right to your freaking door. It's going to come in its little packaging that's going to keep it cold. Take it out, put it in your refrigerator. It's got everything's already bagged up. So, you know, hey, I'm making this salmon tonight. Here's my bag for the salmon. Take all that out and you can cancel it at any point. My refrigerator has never looked as adult as it does when I have HelloFresh all in there. Yeah, because it's like literally those organization TikToks all in one because it's in each individual bag. Yes. And again, you don't have to leave your house. It comes to you. The food is delivered to you. So you got to go to HelloFresh.com slash Creep60 and use code Creep60 for 60% off plus free shipping. Free shipping for the win, okay? Go to HelloFresh.com slash Creep60 and use code Creep60 for 60% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh.com slash Creep60, C-R-E-E-P-6-0 for 60% off plus free shipping. All right, jumping into my story. This story is about Marcy Leah Belez. So Marcy was born October 28th, 1972. Marcy had three sisters. And at the time of this story, she was 12 years old. She was in sixth grade and girl living her best life. She worked babysitting. She had all the friends. Exactly what you think of a 12 year old. Well, in early August of 1985, August of 85. Yeah, I was like, do, 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 do. <laughs> yeah, girl, right around the time you were born, 12-year-old Marcy had just done a babysitting job where she had gotten paid. There's some nuances to this story that I've seen different places. So I'll try to tell you like where, I've, as I always do, like where I've seen other versions. One thing said that that was her allowance, but other stuff said that she had gotten the money from babysitting. Marcy was super proud of herself because she had earned that money. And with that money, she had bought herself a lilac dress and some rubber jelly shoes. Oh my gosh. Yes. So 80s, right? Yes. The shoes were black though, not the clear see-through kind. Is that what you pictured? Yes. Yeah, no, they were black. And I think she even bought herself some of those little dress socks that you fold down, you know? With the ruffles? Yes. Oh my gosh. One thing said that she had bought some socks too. 
And she was super proud of herself for buying this outfit with money that she had earned. Can I say that one more time? And there's a lot of girls in this family. Again, most stuff said there's four of them. Some stuff said there was four sisters. So it kind of made it sound like maybe she was counted in that or maybe she had four sisters in addition to herself. So there's five. Some stuff made it seem like there was only three. So not, I I know it was, Donna's giving me this look like you just gave me a lot of numbers. (laughs) Basically, there was quite a few girls in this family and some mid 80s, they weren't spending their money on fluff, you know, fancy dresses. That's part of why she was so excited to get this new Mm -hmm. dress. Well, when she gets home after she bought the dress, apparently there was a little tension in the family because of it. One thing said that her dad wasn't happy with her for spending her money on that. But most of the other stuff I saw said that she actually owed one of her sisters some money. And her sister was like, the hell you owe me money like why are you buying this dress when you owe me money that sister sounds like me one thousand percent she (laughs) adonna but like really her sister's name is donna oh what i don't know if it's that sister but she does have a sister named donna (laughs) because again some stuff said her dad was the one that was mad at her for buying the dress well and it could have been both true like the sister was like hey you owe me money dad she owes me money and the dad's like why would you not be more responsible with your money and pay your debts before you went and bought something so frivolous yeah there was some strife over it so marcy was like you know what i'm bouncing i'm going to my best friend's house she told her mom Love you. Gotta go. So Marcy leaves and goes to her best friend's house. And she hangs out there most of the day. Her friend was even with her like when she bought the clothes. So she like went over there to pour her little heart out to be like, I was so excited. And they got pissed. And the friend was like, why don't you just stay the night? And she's like, no, I'm, I'm gonna go home. At some point when she was at her friend's house, they decided that they were going to go up the street to this park. Once they got there, they ran into two different guys that the friend didn't really know, but Marcy knew them. And Marcy was popular because she had older sisters, so she knew people that her friend didn't necessarily know. That's how it was for me growing up with older siblings, like, because I wanted to be cool. Like, I knew people (laughs) that they were friends with who probably didn't know who I was, but like, I'm like, oh, that's so-and-so, and it's like, they don't have a clue who I am. But they stopped and talked to the boys, and her friend remembered that one of the boys' name was Brett. So while the girls were talking to the boys, the boys were like, hey, actually, if you want to come over later to this apartment, we're having a party. Meanwhile, I'm like, what 12-year-old is like going to an apartment party? Yeah. But, okay, so Marcy's like, actually, I'm going to go. And the friend was like, I'm not going. And she's like, are you sure you don't want to spend the night? And Marcy's like, no, I'm going to go to this party. And then I'm going to go home. I'm fine. So they split ways. So Marcy goes to the party. I don't know if it was like a two-story apartment or if the apartment above was more the adult party. The apartment below was like more teenage parties. Because the the boys were, I think, around like 15. Like they weren't significantly older, you know. And I think eventually the parties kind of merged. But I think one was more adult. One was more teenagers kind of hanging out. Okay. It wasn't so much a 12-year-old going to a rager like I thought at first. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I really was like, what? Is she going to do keg stand? She's 12. (laughs) I mean, I probably would have at 12. but. like we did. Yeah, but, you know, not keg stands. Never. I don't have that upper body strength. Oh, never. And I was too heavy for people to hold Right, yeah. No, 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 no. But when Marcy left the party at that apartment, that was the last time that she would be seen alive. So when Marcy didn't come home that night, of course, her parents were like, where is she? And they and her sisters began looking. I don't think I ever said this, but this happens in Spokane, Washington. So while her family's looking for her, the next morning, a man is at this local like junkyard type thing and he sees under a boom truck 
a body. What's a boom truck? Girl, I had to ask Colby what a boom truck was too. It's like a tow truck, but for like 18 wheelers. You know how it looks like it's got a crane coming out and yeah, it picks up? It's, yeah. It's that. Oh. Same thing. I was like, the fuck is a boom <laughs> truck? Remember that time that you couldn't remember what the word junkyard was? Yeah. And you said, a place where cars go to die and they have a dog? And I was like, oh my God, I know exactly what you're talking about, but I cannot think of it. And then we had to play charades with Colby, and he's like, a junkyard? We're like, yes, that's it. So, of course, we wouldn't know what a boom truck was. Right. Well, the person that found the body immediately knew that they need to be calling police because it was very clear that this wasn't an accident. So police get there and they realize that it's of a younger girl and that whoever she was had been through a traumatic death. So the police are looking to see, okay, who has recently been reported missing because it's clear that this body has not been there for very long. And they realized that a family had reported a young girl missing and the clothing matched. So they brought in the family and the body that they found was Marcy. Now, Marcy had been raped before she was murdered, and the amount of overkill. She had been stabbed over 31 times on the front and back. Her throat was cut, and her face was so swollen from the beatings. Oh my gosh. Her dress was torn, and she was missing one of her shoes. I don't understand how someone can do that to a to a human but to a child i don't either and that's kind of how people were like who would do this to marcy because they felt like it had to be somebody that she knew because police felt like she'd gotten into a car and then was driven there so like i said everybody is like who would have done this to a 12 year old and who would have specifically done this to marcy well marcy's mom is like i actually have an idea oh gosh so not long before marcy's murder she had confided in her mother that someone had sexually assaulted her. Oh my gosh. She told her parents who it was. They went and filed a police report, but Marcy didn't want her sisters to know. So that's why they were all like, who would have done this to Marcy? Yeah. They had no idea. So police had been investigating the sexual assault, but I think like one was with the police department, one was with the sheriff's department or something. So that's why they didn't immediately know. Mm Mm-hmm. And the person that Marcy said had assaulted her was an older boy who drove, which kind of fits everything that, you know, maybe he pulled up and was like, let's talk about this or whatever, you know, and she got in the car and maybe he made another advance or maybe he was like, I'm putting a stop to you getting the police after me Mm -hmm. over this. Because really the investigation had kind of come to a standstill with the sexual assault allegations because it was a he said she said thing it's the 80s you know the whole shebang yeah it was basically all circumstantial stuff i don't think that there was like what like a rape kit and all of that so really that investigation had gone nowhere after marcy's murder spidey senses go off because like i said he drives i mean he has a a motive to murder her but the police pull him in and ask him questions And he's like, I didn't do this. And he has an alibi and everything checks out. So he's actually ruled out as a suspect. And I don't know his name because nothing ever came to fruition of the rape. And he was ruled out as a suspect on this. So we never get his name. So this goes on for years. 
Police are trying to figure out who murdered Marcy. The whole community is terrified because this 12-year-old girl has been murdered. So the police interviewed over 250 people and they identified 87 suspects. Holy shit. Yeah, because you also have to remember Marcy had gone to that party. Mm. So it's like, okay, let's narrow down this party. Who was there? Who the hell is Brett? And so they start kind of teasing that out. Well, they can't find a Brett that was at that party. So don't know if maybe the friend misheard, if Brett ended up not going. But police interviewed every single Brett that attended Marcy's school. Shit. Because like, especially at the beginning too, once they ruled out the other guy, it was like, well, that's all we have to go on is this party and the party goers and all of that. And they go to look at the party. People remember her leaving, but didn't see her leaving with anybody. Like, it was a complete dead end. And again, the party seemed to be above board, from what I gather. Yeah. So eventually, the case went cold. Now, flash forward years, like into the 2000s. Oh, shit. DNA advances. You know how this goes with cold cases. They still had semen for Marcy's rape kit. So they ran it for DNA. And they decided to run it through CODIS. Let's see if there's a match, right? They run it through nada. Not a hit at all. So that was a complete dead end because, yeah, they have the DNA sequence. They know if they had somebody to compare it to, which they did for all of the other suspects. But if they don't have the person that it is to compare it to, they've got nothing because whomever it is isn't in CODIS right now. Okay, can I back up? And I thought you said DNA sequence instead of (laughs) sequence. And I had a whole dance number going on in my head. It's a fancy killer. (laughs) Like take Never Been Kissed when they're the double helix. Yes. But like with sequins. With pizzazz. Yes. So flash forward to 2019-2020. Oh, fuck. Recently. Yes. Detectives are like, we want to start using forensic genealogy. Okay. Man, this shit has cracked open so many cases. Yes. And they're like, what's the number one case we won't solve? That's a cold case. We've got DNA, but we can't, you know, nobody's like, what, what case do we want? And they're like, Marcy's. So they send the DNA off to like a public DNA database. They did their spin, 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 right? (laughs) And they find out that whoever the killer is, is related to these two people. But these two people aren't related. Whoa. So they're like, okay, now we've got to make their family trees and see where they cross. Yeah. Spin, 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 spin. Like, insert quantum leap sound. Yeah. (laughs) I picture that meme with the blonde lady and it has like all the scientific stuff going on. Yeah, that's above my whole thing. Meanwhile, I'm the one on a rider one. It's like, oh. (laughs) Like, I can't do a family tree if you had like a fake tree on a thing and was like, (laughs) do the head, do the, like, I don't know. You know, I'm so bad at that. To actually do genealogy shit and go back, oh God, no. Okay, so back to Marcy's case. The two people that the DNA matched that weren't related, they did their family trees. And they found four people, are the only four people basically in the world that it could be. So they had to get the DNA from those four people to figure it out. Oh my gosh, my anxiety's up. So rule somebody out, rule somebody out, rule somebody out, and it leaves one person. Yes, who is it? Clayton Geesey. So who the fuck is Clayton Geesey? So when you look at the area map, 
Marcy's house, where her body was found, where her friend lives, where the party is, that's all in this little vicinity. No, no more than like a mile and a half apart from each other, right? Oh, wow, yeah. They figured out that at the time of Marcy's murder, he was living in Spokane, not far from that triangle of her stomping grounds. But he basically had no criminal history. Like a, like a few run-ins, but nothing like murder. Yeah. When they go to get Clayton Geese's DNA, they hit a roadblock. He had died. Oh, shit. So less than four years after Marcy was murdered, Clayton Geese died in a car wreck. He had been drinking and he was going to high speed, lost control, and I think hit a tree. He wasn't wearing a seatbelt and he died. So what the fuck are police going to do? Well, he had a daughter. Oh my gosh. So they were like, will you give us your DNA? And she was like, yeah, I will. Because when he died, he was 22. So he would have been like 18 around the time that Marcy was murdered. So they run the daughter's DNA and it's a fucking match. Oh my gosh. So they're like, okay, we know it's him, but like we need to prove without a shadow of a doubt it's him. So they get the permission to exhume his body. After they exhume his body, they test his DNA and it is a perfect match. Like one in 1.1 nanillion. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Basically, it's a one with 30 zeros. Like that is the chances of that not being right. Like a million's got six zeros. I don't even know that. I can't, like no. I didn't, I don't even think I said that number correctly. Yeah. Nanillion? <laughs> no That idea. sounds like a, a word that a kid made up. <laughs> yeah. I bet you nanillion dollars. Yeah. <laughs> so police know without a shadow of a doubt that Clayton Geese is who killed Marcy. But now we want to know why. And we're never going to know. Oh my gosh. But this is what police think happened. You know, he was about 18. And like I said, really had no criminal record other than like pot, you know, nothing significant. What they believe happened is that Marcy was walking home from the party and he stopped and offered her a ride. She got in and maybe immediately he started making advances towards her. Maybe he took her and parked there and then did it. But at some point, something went down and he killed her brutally murdered her and the only evidence at the crime scene was like other than his dna was like a knife sheath that like only matched a knife that was like a double-edged knife that they could tell from her stab wounds that's what was used but i don't even know that that was ever proven to be his like there was literally no evidence which is why it took so long to solve this because clayton geese was not even on the radar of police his name wasn't in the file anywhere like he was not even in the vicinity of what police were thinking happened to her. But at least her family got an answer. I mean, I I can say that as an outsider looking in, at least they got an answer. Okay, that's bullshit, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. This is kind of a happier ending though, because based on the news reports and all of that, that showed his gravestone with them exhuming his body, he had this beautiful headstone that had like beloved free bird on it. Like it was this gorgeous headstone. And It was hard for Marcy's family because when she died, again, like I said, it's the 80s, all the kids, like money was tight. And so when she was buried, she never got a headstone. And so people didn't think that it was right that he had a headstone and she didn't. And some people, anonymous donors, paid for her a headstone. Aww. 
So hopefully with her killer being found and she finally has a headstone, hopefully Marcy is finally resting in peace. That familial DNA forensic genealogy Mm -hmm. is like, to me, not bigger than because you could, you would be nothing without DNA, but like this time's DNA. Yeah. Like when DNA became available and we were starting to use that, that was like, if you did this and you left DNA, we will find you. Yeah. It was like, you could, you can't leave anything at a crime scene because it's going to have your DNA. Right. But now it's like, no, we're going to hunt you down mm-hmm. and we are going to find you because someone is going to have a sequence, not sequence, a sequence <laughs> in their DNA that's going to match yours. Yes. And I know that there's such a discussion on privacy laws and should police have access to your DNA and yada, yada, yada. But here's my thing. You can, by all means, of course, disagree. But if you ain't got shit to hide, who cares if you have my DNA? Well, because it's always like, will you plan it somewhere? You know what I mean? Yeah, okay. But the amount of time that that actually, like that is one nanillionth (laughs) of a chance that that police are going to plant your DNA. Like, how are they going to plant your DNA? Like, they're going to just be like... Out of a lab, that one fingerprint sample that you sent to whomever, like whatever ancestry twenty three, whatever you send, like that pinprick that you sent. Is it like, blood? I thought it was spit. I have no idea. I'm just saying. Like that's why like, I never wanted to do it. <laughs> I couldn't spit. Didn't in the you thing. just do a cortisol test where you had to spit? Uh uh-uh. uh. Oh, but it's like they're gonna take that swab and be like, like they're swiping a petri dish all over a crime scene. It's not happening. It's just not. Again, could it? Yes, but. You trust a bank with your money. You trust your doctor's office with your blood. This company or wh- or whoever, like they have their regulations. Like they have their, like somebody had to break in and take that. Yeah. I mean, you trust Quest Diagnostic, LabCorp, whomever. Yeah. With the blood that they're taking for your doctor's tests. It's literally no different. No, you're right. I'm all for it because they got the Golden State Killer. Well, it's gotten way more than oh, him, too. Oh, though. for you know what sure. I mean? That's what I mean. Like, it's gotten so much. But I that was the first time I had heard about that. Yeah, for sure. But this is like groundbreaking mm-hmm. things. And it's like, I don't know. I kind of want to be a part of it. But also, I've never done it. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. If I don't have to spit, y'all tell me. If I don't have to spit, I'll do it. But, uh... I can prick my finger. Well, Carrie can prick my finger. I was going to say, (laughs) ma'am. But I cannot spit in a tube. (laughs) I don't know if I ever told this, but one time um, when I was in college, some of the PhD students do research with students. And they used to have this database where you'd be like, okay, these are all the things I could sign up for. And a lot of the entry-level site classes would give you extra credit if you participated Uh, in the studies. We did. For sure. (laughs) I was in this one site class and... This teacher, like, didn't have a limit on what you could get. And I did this, like, six-week yoga class, and they had... I remember that. Yes, and they had different yogas. Like, you didn't really know which one you were in. Like, it was, like, one was more calming, one was more exercise-based. And then at the beginning of the study, they tested your cortisol in the middle and at the end to see if doing the yoga changed your stress levels based on your cortisol. That's what I had to do. The mornings Ugh. that I had to do it, I had to wake up and immediately, like before you brush your teeth, before you, your feet hit the floor, basically. Yeah. Spit in a cup and Ugh. then take it. But girl, I got like 23 extra credit points for that. <laughs> it may have even been 28. It was like in the 20s though. Yeah. I got a, sh- I had like over a hundred average in that class. <laughs> I'm like, sign me up for the yoga. <laughs> Remember that time that we went in, I don't know what it was for, but we saw a guy that we knew from high school and we were like, are you here for the clinical thing? And he's like, yeah. "Yeah." 
You don't remember that? Uh-uh. God, man, unlocking some memories today. Because, of course, me and Carrie did it together. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, he was probably like, good God, do y'all ever leave each other's side? No, we don't. <laughs> and now we have a podcast that we definitely don't. <laughs> we see each other more now. Thanks. Yes. Hell, when I got married, people were probably like, wait, what? You're not lesbians? <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, at the funeral of my nanny, I was like, this is my friend Carrie. <laughs> this is my best friend Carrie. And then I made her sit up there with me. <laughs> this bitch made me sit on the front row. I was sitting in front of Nanny's brother. I'm like. They went in the back. You know, like I was you here. Know, I was like going to be trying to be respectful. Like let them walk in. I, you know, went behind them. And Donna's like, turns around and gives me the meanest face and like points and says, get up here. <laughs> shit and then carrie has to lean on me a weird way for her back or whatever and so it probably did look like something was going on donna looked at me like what are you doing i was like fine i'll sit right (laughs) and then i'm gonna be honest the preacher that did it i don't like him and i was like it's the preacher from that church that i don't like and at the end donna's brother was like wait i see why you don't like him (laughs) Y'all, the first song ended and it's like, be seated. And he was like, <laughs> and of course, <laughs> burped. I was hold, trying to hold it in. And you know, I cannot hold in my laughter well. <laughs> so my shoulders were going up and down. That's probably why Carrie got off of me because she was like, good God, total world. <laughs> but oh my God, I was like, hold it in. It is a funeral. Oh my God, Nanny is up there. Hold it in, Donna. Think sad thoughts. Then she leans over to the person next to her, and I swear to God, she's like, so how's school? I'm like, be quiet. How are your grades? I'm like, God, shh. Be reverent. I couldn't on that damn song that they had. I don't know what kind of church karaoke they got that song from, but it was so bad. But then my brother had selected Casting Crowns, uh, Scars or something, and that was actually a really good song. But that first one, I was like, if you paid for this, you you shouldn't have. God, our lives. (laughs) Don't let me attend a funeral, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, back to my story. I don't know if it was Marcy's dad or her sisters or, or whomever the issue was with with the new dress. It just breaks my heart for them that the last words that were spoken were heated. Yes. But even one of the things I watched with her friend talking, she just felt so guilty that she didn't like have Marcy spend the night. But it's like, she, you tried and she wanted to go to the party. And it's like, no one is to blame. Whether she stormed out of the house because she was mad at her sister or dad or whether whatever happened, no one is to blame but Clayton Geesey. Right. I wish we could just know. I wish it, it was like the Truman Show and we're like, just pull it up to that reel mm-hmm. and see what happened. Well, and why too? Because like he had no criminal past really. And as far as they know, based on, again, running his DNA through CODIS and all of that, there are no other cases tied to him. Like, so was this like a one-off or did he just, I mean, this sounds terrible, but die so young, he didn't have a chance to do it again. Or was he drinking because he was so distraught? You know, like, yeah. did he have a problem because he was so distraught about what he did? Like, did he panic and like, oh my God, this girl's going to tell and we don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, I thought it would be someone she knew just because it was so brutal. So, that it's the cutting of the throat, the amount of stab wounds, all of that. It was so personal Mm -hmm. and frenzied too it feels like to me i mean you know because i'm a profiler but (laughs) that's why they thought it was somebody that she knew that's why when it came back clayton geesey they were like wait who 
Right, yeah. He's not even in, like, we don't even know his name. Like, who the fuck is this? And two, like, it just breaks my heart that Marcy, in the last year of her life, went through so much. It was like, she had been through this sexual assault that she reported to her family, and then she was assaulted again and murdered. Like, yeah. she fought back. Like, she she was brutally murdered. Like, she did her best to get away. Like, mm-hmm. that's why they think that just they just found the one shoe, because she was trying to run away. Really and truly, this case would have never, I feel like an episode of Forensic Files, would have never been solved if it was not for advances in DNA technology. Because like I told you about the knife sheath, there was a tire impression. There was her shoe. She had been raped. But none of that was enough to figure out who did this. Yeah. It's not an episode of Law and Order Criminal Intent where he could pick up the dust from underneath (laughs) the tire and be like, this came from a Ford Escort, 19... 83. Fucking Ford Escort. I don't know. Did that even, a Ford Pinto. I don't know. Did, when did Ford Escorts come around? I'm sure. I'm not on my cousin Vinny. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, that's one thing I hate about criminal intent. Because you know, I like to guess. Yes. And you can't guess on that damn show. No. Like if you guess, you've seen it before. Because Vincent D'Onofrio would pull that shit out of his ass. Yes. Freaking Sherlock Holmes could never. Right. I'm like, there's no way you know all of this. Now, if that character is based on a real person, please let us interview you because you are amazing. <laughs> like how you know all that shit. Yes. <laughs> you got a, what is it, eidetic memory? Freaking Sheldon Cooper. <laughs> well, like you said, though, I'm glad that there was closure. At least they knew that who her killer was and there wasn't that uncertainty anymore. But God, I don't even know what that would do to finally know who killed your daughter but then they're dead. And I don't know that her parents ever found out. I oh, mean, we're talking true 30 years later. Yeah, true, true, true. Okay, before we get into Donna's story, we got to talk to you about real paper. So y'all know, we all have been the bamboo stuff. And it is time we stop cutting down trees to make paper, to make toilet paper specifically. We cut down tens of thousands of trees every single day just to supply the American need for toilet paper. And of course, you can't recycle that. It's a one and done deal. But real paper is different. It's the real real. It is. You get to be eco-conscious, but you feel luxurious with this toilet paper. When I tell y'all Donna is obsessed with this toilet paper, and this <laughs> this is some good toilet paper, but like Donna's a whole nother level about this toilet paper. I am so obsessed with real toilet paper. Like, you go to her house and use the bathroom. She's like, did you like that toilet paper? It's real good, isn't it? It's luxurious. It's like quilted feeling. I don't know. It is perfect for your bum, okay? But it doesn't leave. Like, sometimes with the quilty stuff, it's like so soft that it just like crumbles in your hand. You know, it like leaves. And definitely leaves residue. Right. This does not. No. So what makes real paper different is that it's 100% bamboo. So picture bamboo growing from a wee tot all the way up to a stalk. <laughs> you come through and you cut it to make real toilet paper. But think cutting the grass, not cutting down a tree. You cut down a tree, nothing comes up from that stump. It's done. But you cut bamboo, it's the same thing as cutting your grass. It's going to grow right back. So it's just constantly being regenerated. And it won't impact literally an entire ecosystem like you do when you cut down a tree. Right. And the thing is, too, the whole package, they're all their package because it gets shipped to your door. Did we tell you that? It gets shipped to your door. Toilet paper to your door. And look, Donna and I try our best not to leave the house. Like she said, toilet paper to your door. Right. 
But everything in that package, the box, the wrapping of the toilet paper, the toilet paper itself, the toilet paper holder, all of it is eco-friendly. It's plastic-free packaging. And you can schedule subscriptions based on like how often you need it. You want it one time, you want it every two months, you want it every six months, you want it however often, you schedule it. And they'll send you a text when it's about time for your shipment to come. So you can skip it easily. It's very easy. But I will tell you, I get very excited because I'm like, I get a new shipment. And how Donna was saying it's wrapped. Okay, this is what I love about it too. The wrapping. Because one, Colby's mom thought I did it. So I was like, yes. (laughs) Okay, no, I didn't. It came like that. But thank you for thinking it was me. But also, y'all know I use baby powder. And sometimes Mm -hmm. when you got stacks of toilet paper in your bathroom, it gets powdery. (laughs) But I don't have to worry about that when it's wrapped. True, yeah. So if y'all want in on this real good, real toilet paper, what you're going to do is you're going to go to realpaper.com slash creep. Sign up for a subscription using our code creep at checkout, and you're going to get 30% off your first order plus free shipping. That is R-E-E-L-P-A-P-E-R.com slash creep. And then you enter promo code creep to get 30% off your first order plus free shipping. Oh, and this is just an aside because I did go to their website and they have paper towels too. So I'm about to get that too. Yes, ma'am. If you want in on this real paper that is eco-friendly, hassle-free, subscription-based, that's shipped conveniently to your door, head on over to realpaper.com slash creep. Use promo code creep. When you sign up for a subscription, you're going to get 30% off your first order plus free shipping. All right, y'all, summer months are coming upon us, and that means more travel. What do you need for travel? You need good base luggage, B-E-I-S. Yes, and it is all about that base. We've told y'all before, we got the Weekender bag from base, and we are obsessed with it. And speaking about base, it has an amazing base at the bottom of that bag. And that's a zipper compartment that you can put shoes, your makeup, any kind of toiletries you want that you don't want to spill anywhere. I'm going to put my laptop in there. It's really my favorite part about this luggage, other than the fact that it looks really great. And heavy duty. Yes, that undercarriage compartment that Donna was talking about, when you just need like a weekender bag. So you have a couple pair of shoes, but you don't want to put them on your clean clothes in the main part of the bag. You stick them underneath. I put like my straightening iron in there and like Donna said, my makeup and a pair of shoes. Zip that thing up, put all my clothes in the top with some other stuff and looked like a model. Okay, I didn't, but (laughs) that bag be looking good though. It really does look good. It is so fashionable. But you don't sacrifice function for fashion. Yes, exactly. It's the best of both worlds. And fashion and function, they're two of my favorite F words. Okay. What I like too, how Donna was saying she's going to put her laptop in the bottom. If you have to go through TSA at an airport or whatever, you just take that laptop out really quickly and off you go. And I'm all about convenience. Base was created by, you know... The actress Shay Mitchell, if you watched Pretty Little Liars and all the things, that's what she's from. And she made sleek, affordable bags, luggage, and accessories designed to help you 
travel effortlessly. And she really thought about all the nooks and crannies. And you know we like that because we will overpack to the brim. The luggage has the good 360 wheels. The handle is cushioned. It even has a built-in weight indicator. You can get washable bags for your dirty clothes and all the interior pockets like Donna was saying. There's multiple different colors. So you can make this your own. And every piece is made to look better with miles. So you don't have to worry about it in cargo or overhead. And Base has over 30,000 five-star reviews. So you know that you're getting a really good product. Right now, you can get 15% off your first purchase by going to basetravel.com slash creep. That's B-E-I-S-T-R-A-V-E-L dot com slash creep. So warm those fingers up, get them ready for your next vacay. Go on over to basetravel.com slash creep. You're going to get 15% off your first purchase. All right, well, I'm going to talk about the Eberhardt family. They live in Kearney, Missouri. Lance is the husband and the father. Jennifer's the wife. And then they have three daughters together. Chloe, 17, Heidi, 12, and Emmy, who's eight. Jennifer had two sons from her previous marriage, but they weren't living in the house that I'm going to talk about, so we're not focusing on them. I mean, they're important, but not in this story. So the family, you know, they are the typical thought they were buying their dream house, but it turned out to be their worst nightmare type of haunting. Now, they do live on like your dream land, you and Colby. They have 15 acres of land. They have like a little farm going on, but they also breed mini schnauzers, like teacup size to the minis. And no, they're not a puppy mill. They're actually a licensed breeder by the Missouri Department of Agriculture. Anyway, so they moved into this house from Texas, uh, Houston, Texas. So I was like, oh, okay, we've been there. You lived there. Well, I guess I'd lived there, but like for a year. But their ranch name is Spanish and it translates to just like Texas. And I don't know, I was just like, damn, that is so Texan. Yes, it is. Because if you live in Texas, you love Texas. Yes, you do. Just shop at H-E-B. You will know the cakes are in the shape of Texas. Everything is Texas. Do you know what H-E-B stands for? Yes, here's everything's better. Well, just here, not here's. (laughs) So the activity started out like many others. Phantom footsteps, you know, strange noises, knocking on the walls and windows. And then they started to hear a woman screaming. They would see things out of the corner of their eyes Jennifer would smell pipe or cigarette smoke randomly. And then objects seemed to move on their own. You know, you set the knife down on the island, you look back and it's been moved over and you're like, how? Because I didn't move it. So it was some unseen force that did that. Well, speaking of knives, the activity started ramping up. And Lance, the dad, he was in the kitchen one night cleaning up. He had sliced a watermelon earlier and the knife that he used was still on the counter. Well, that's what he was like, you know, just cleaning up at the end of the night. Well, the knife flew off the counter and cut his arm. So Lance took a picture of it. It's all fun and games until knives start flying. Right. Also, you know it was going to be sticky and stuff from that watermelon. Oh, gosh. Tell me you have sensory issues without telling me. (laughs) Also, Lance, can you tell us if you think watermelon tastes staticky? I mean, sometimes it does. (laughs) Okay. Later, when the activity seemed to be at its peak, knives would be found in the ceilings, the walls, and scattered throughout the kitchen floor. 
But the knife isn't the only thing flying all over the place. There was one night that Lance was changing a light bulb in their bathroom vanity. And the bulb yeeted itself out of the socket and landed against the door, shattering into pieces. Well, Lance was like, I don't want to show fear, even though that's fucking scary as fuck. But, you know, he just tried to ignore it. I'm going to replace the bulb. Everything's going to be fine. I'm going to get out of this room. All the things. But then the other bulbs that were on the vanity shot out of their sockets too and shattered. So Jennifer heard all the racket and was like, what the fuck? And Lance just replied, the ghost. And he held it together until he was alone and then he broke down. Bless it. Because he hated not feeling like he could protect himself, but more importantly, his family. And remember that loud screaming woman they would hear? She apparently felt threatened when people would come by to pick up their puppies because remember they bred the mini schnauzers and she would make her presence known by screaming. Girl, okay, it's all fun and games until you start fucking with my business. Right, exactly. So Lance remembers this one afternoon that it happened again, and he was at the dining room table just trying to figure out what to do. Because, yeah, he's like, okay, these people were here, we were, you know, vibing, all the things, and then they hear this fucking scream, and they're like, all right, gotta go, you know? And so it's just like, what do I do? Well, that's when he heard a female whisper I control this now. Oh, shit. And he just instinctively replied, no, you don't, and you never will. I was like, oh, Lance is a fighter. But then he felt like he was slapped in the face, and Jennifer looked over at him in horror because she saw a handprint on his face. So that screaming lady was like, bitch, please. She literally was like, I call the shot, shot, shot. (laughs) So the family reached out to a local church And they tried to help, but it just seemed to make the activity ramp up, which we have seen before. The basement is a place that has a total different energy, like just a very sinister feeling. Lance tried not to be in the basement a lot and no one really went down there. But Lance was in the basement one time and he got locked in. And, you know, he said he was in there looking for something. He heard the door swing shut. He was trying to open it. Then Jennifer was on the other side trying to open it. And they couldn't get the door to budge. Until finally, it swung open and he was free. But Lance said that he was so scared because he was like, I'm trapped down here and there's nothing we can do. Also, Lance said that in the basement, he was picked up and thrown against the wall, but he didn't know what had happened. But other people witnessed the whole altercation. He thought he had just like passed out and like came to and was like, whoa, what happened? And they're like, dude, you got picked up and thrown against the wall. They were seeing a lot more shadow figures and they just seemed to be everywhere. Even outside, there was no escaping them. And then they started to see full-blown apparitions too. Jennifer saw a man's reflection behind her when she was looking in the mirror. And she's like, oh my God, who's in this house? Then she turned around and no one was back there. Lance, he saw someone in an old military outfit out in the yard, but he was like, wait, what? Who is this man? Went around the corner. No one was there. Jennifer saw a person walk in in the yard, thought it was Lance. And then he came up like right behind her. And she's like, wait, 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 wait. You were just outside. And he's like, no, I'm like, was right here. So they were all just becoming at their wits end because what's real and what's not real. 
So Land started to try to document as much as possible for proof of, you know, what they were dealing with. Just like he had taken a picture of that cut on his arm. There was one afternoon and he was in a room, the back room on a conference call. And he heard some commotion in the kitchen, but he was like, oh, it's just one of the girls. Didn't think anything about it. But then the commotion kept happening. And so, you know, Lance went out to see, hey, what's going on? You know, like I'm, I'm on a conference call, like keep it down. No one was in there. So he's like, okay, whatever. Went back to the room and he heard the commotion again. So he did this like two or three times. And finally he checked outside because he thought it might have been his oldest daughter, but her car wasn't home. And so he's like, what the fuck? So he was like, okay, I'm filming this if this happens again. So he's in there and you can hear him because this is on camera. You can hear him breathing like I would be breathing if I was (laughs) filming. So I'm like, this seems real because, you know, a lot of people would want to edit that kind of shit out. Right. No, he is breathing like I would be breathing. And he films where the silverware drawer, that was hard for me to say. <laughs> yes, it was. I mean, for me too, probably, but silverware drawer. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. Utensils. <laughs> yes. Um, that it opened by itself. And he's like, holy shit. You know, like it actually happened. What the fuck? But then it just kept ramping up. They started being woken up with the feeling of being choked in their sleep. Jennifer woke up one time with her legs being slammed down into her bed. And it became a common occurrence that the family would wake up with scratches and bruises all over their bodies with no recollection of how that happened. So could you imagine if I lived in this house? You would be one big bruise with your blood thinners. Yes, Chloe, the oldest daughter, she said that she experienced sleep paralysis. I mean, she explained it not as sleep paralysis, but everything she explained was was sleep paralysis, paralysis, you know? But she said it felt like someone was on her chest, someone heavy and just pushing down on her. She couldn't move, you know, and she was paralyzed. She didn't know what was going on. Heidi said that she was in the kitchen one time and there was a pumpkin on the counter and it flew through the air like it was being thrown. And it was like from the kitchen to the living room. So it's not like it just got bumped or something. No, 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 no. It like, again, yeeted itself off of the counter. Emmy, the youngest, she recalls one night she was getting ready for bed and her door was open so she could see the hall but she kept hearing the doorknob being turned and jiggling like someone was turning it, but like no one's there. Like she can see it. It's not like it's a closed door and she can't tell that someone's actually trying to get in. She also saw an apparition of a girl in the corner of the bathroom. She said that she was crying and she had really long hair. And unfortunately, the family started suffering health wise too. I mean, they were already, you know, balls of nervous energy because of the constant activity. But soon, Jennifer started having stomach issues, and it got to the point where her gallbladder had to be removed. And all of the girls started getting sick and having stomach issues, and it seemed like something was going on daily. And it would kind of change, but it was all kind of the same issues around their stomachs and stuff. But the doctors couldn't find no causes for their illness. They all really started to battle with depression too, and it was ripping their family apart at the seams. They were at each other's throats, and that's not how they were before, but this was years of constant activity and torture. 
Jennifer even said that she believes Lance would become possessed by one of the spirits there and that he would do kind of like automatic writing, but he wasn't even awake at that point. Like it was just something that would happen. He was kind of like in a trance, you know, like they do with automatic writing. But she said like sometimes she just wouldn't even recognize him and stuff. And I couldn't find this instance, but I think she did call the cops But she was just like, I know this is going to sound weird, but I think my husband's possessed, you know, and they're like, I mean, we don't know what to do because he wasn't being violent towards him. He was just acting weird and he was writing in not a different language, but like a different vernacular. I don't know if that's the right word, but like if he had never said Mm y'all, but he was writing y'all. Right. So the family tried everything they could to protect themselves. They even started to not go down to the basement or that back room. And those were the places they deemed the hot spots for the activity. Jennifer and the daughter slept in the living room and Lance slept in another bedroom and he had their dog, Maya, that would sleep with him. So this story was featured on season eight premiere of The Dead Files. Instantly, when Amy arrived at the house, she was like, nope, don't like this. So I mean, like already you're like, oh shit. But once inside, she said she felt terribly ill in there and she could sense three main dead people. She also said that she felt like there were a lot of people walking back and forth outside and some of them were very aggressive. And she said basically their front yard seemed like a damn highway of spirits. That's exactly what you want to hear. Right? But the main problem was a woman. Which makes sense because of the screaming woman, remember? But Amy said that this woman is making someone who lives in that house both physically and mentally ill. Not me almost getting really mad at you when you were like, which makes sense because she's a woman. I'm like, oh, "Oh, she's causing problems because she's a woman. (laughs) Meanwhile, no, not at all. Yeah, not at all. Amy described it as a woman eating the person's body and then eating at their mind. And so... Again, she would attack them physically and make them ill. And then when they were kind of weakened, she would start to attack their mind. And she said it's like the woman was feeding off of the memories and the energy. Amy said that the jealous woman was younger and the spirit feels like her death was a mistake. Like she regrets it. And so Amy said that made her feel like it was a suicide. Amy said that there was a living male that she was picking up on that hated the dead woman. But the dead woman, she wanted his acceptance and tried to constantly get his attention and that she was extremely jealous of whoever got the male's attention. So if you think about Lance being the living male there and he has a wife and three fucking daughters with him. So... She's jealous of all of those four people and then mad at Lance that he's not listening to her. Amy said that she felt like the jealous woman was really fucking with one of the people out of jealousy. She said that this person, whoever's being attacked, probably felt it on the back of their head and their neck area, almost like she was feeding off of them or like holding them down and it would cause impulsive behaviors. Amy said that she felt like the woman wants that person to die, but she's happy to torture them until the day they finally die. Oh my God. Yeah. Now, there is a male energy there as well. And Amy said he was what she would consider the hat man. He watches, he waits, and he just gave off very creepy vibes. He stayed in the bedroom area. 
And she said that all she could feel was that he hates the family. She said that she can sense he was like back in the day, like Western cowboy kind of vibes. He had on a duster jacket kind of shit and a hat. She said that he did not die in the house. So she doesn't know why he's in the house and that it doesn't feel like he should be there. She said that she feels like the hat man was trapped there, like teleported there and trapped. Now, something to note, the family did get a paranormal group to come out, and that's when they were in the basement and Lance was thrown against the wall. But there is some sketch to this, okay? So they were at their wits end, and I believe it was Jennifer found this website, and they were like, yeah, we're with the dead files. So Jennifer was like, hey, 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 here's all of our information we need your help. This paranormal group comes out, wasn't actually the dead files. <gasps> and they kind of just like stirred up the shit. Oh my God. And that happened when he got thrown against the wall. They're like, peace out. Too much for us. They're like, oh, this is real. Yeah. So they got scared. And Jennifer was like, you can't just piss everything off and then leave. Like you have to do something to help us. So they cleansed the house. Well, Amy thinks that that group trapped that spirit there by doing a botched cleansing. Oh, my God. And so Amy believes the male spirit is the one who's causing the bruises and the scratches. Amy said the third main dead person is an elderly man, and he's in his late 60s, early 70s. And he's just kind of residual energy, though. Like, he walks down the hall, and she said he was all, like, hunched over and stuff. And I'm like... That that would be me. Like, mm-hmm. That's me, and I'm in my 30s. But yeah. But he still was there, and they could still feel it, but it was more residual. Well, Steve researched like he normally does, and he found a professor who said that the original owner of the land, William Wade, had ties to a Confederate terrorist group called the Quantrill Raiders. In August 1863, the Raiders rode 40 miles to the town of Lawrence and killed all the men and boys of military age. And that was like 180 men, like males, boys and men. So remember that hat man Amy picked up on? They believed, oh shit, this could be the leader of that group called Bloody Bill. Because there were like four people in William Wade's family that were members of this group. But Amy like was looking at a picture and she said, I don't think it's that bloody Bill. I think it's this guy. And that was David. And he was the brother of William Wade. So that kind of makes sense if you just think about bloody Bill had no relation other than just being in that group. But if David was in that group and murdered these people and stuff, but he had been on that property, like, I could see that more. Well, Steve also found an article about a 45-year-old woman who died on the property in 1921, but he could not find any official paperwork about her death. So he's like, that's fucking strange. Like, I found a news article, but I can't find any official documents. Yeah. So Steve turned to a private investigator who found out the woman's name was Etta Davis. And in 1901, she married Charles Williams Peterson. And that's when they moved on to that property. Now, the father-in-law died on their property. He was 70 years old. And so that could be the elderly man Amy picked up on. But anyway, back to Etta. The private eye couldn't find any official documents either. So she's like, that's fucking hella strange. 
But considering the time that this all happened, so she was like, uh, could be one of two things. Could be that Etta suffered from a mental illness and that would be so shameful for the family so they would keep it hush-hush. Or the other thing that could tie in with the mental illness was that Etta would die by suicide. With that, it's shameful for the family, but also at that time, the church would not have allowed her to be buried on their property. But if your family wants you buried on that property, what are they going to do? Try to hide all the stuff. Now you're like, how do they just cover up a death? Well, Etta's cousin was the coroner and the sheriff at that time. Oh, shit. So, I mean, like, if you're going to cover up this death as being like, oh, she just died, you yeah. know, you the that's the kind of connections you want. Now, on the dead files, Jennifer said that she believed one of the spirits in the house was a friend of hers who died by an overdose. She said she was very close with the family, like all the kids called her Aunt Jackie. But she was dealing with a lot of emotional and family issues before her death. And Amy was like, yeah, no, I picked up on your friend, but she's not the woman that we're worried about. She's not being mean. She's here trying to warn you about this jealous woman who is feeding on your family. So also, I just want to be like, you are a great friend. Like still right into the very end. (laughs) Right? I'd be like, I'm tired. Leave me alone. Like you're on your own. Just kidding, because I'm so nosy. I would still be there. Yeah, you would. (laughs) But the plot thickens. They tell Amy about the knives and stuff because obviously there's no way of her to know this through the walkthrough. And she's like, yeah, that's not deceased energy. That's some pulty shit. And pulty shit is poltergeist activity. It clicks for her. She said that the jealous woman is really feeding off of someone who's in that back bedroom. And the reason why she thinks that is because whoever is in that back bedroom, they're a PK agent. And that means they have the psychokinesis, everything we know about poltergeist activity, they have. But that would be Heidi, the middle daughter. So she's using her and that's why she's like, you know, how she said like she was like weighing down on her and like sucking her energy and all of that. But she's using Heidi because she has all of that energy that she can use to throw the knives, to do all the things. So it's not like Heidi is doing it. Her energy and All of that is being used by this entity. And I mean, that's super troubling because you just heard that, hey, whoever this jealous woman is, is wanting to kill whoever she's latched onto. And if she can't kill him right now, she's happy to torture. And then you find out that's your middle daughter. Hmm. But Amy had recommendations for the family, like she always does. And she said for the hat man, they need a male medium. And the male medium needed to have kind of a certain vibrato. You know what I mean? He could stand his own ground. He's, mm-hmm. he's going to be forceful. And he needed to lead the hat man outside and then ban him from the property. Then the deceased woman needs a Reiki master to sever the attachment between Heidi and the woman. Then the male medium needs to come in again and force that woman out. Then Heidi needs to start doing some meditation stuff like yoga, something that gives her task because of all that PK energy. It will help her release all of that energy in a proper manner. And get extra credit in psychology. (laughs) Exactly. Amy also told the family to wear protective pendants too, which they all do. 
Now, they still live there, and it is still a working ranch, so they don't offer tours or anything. They weren't paid to be on the dead files, you know, none of that stuff. But they did do all of the stuff Amy said, and they don't have any negative energy anymore, but they do still get some apparitions outside and just some activity, but nothing malicious anymore. But I was listening to an interview with Lance and he said that Amy basically said all of them have some sort of power. Like Lance is auditory because he could hear that screaming lady when she talked to him. And she was like, you know, I control all of this now. Mm -hmm. Jennifer could smell the smoke and all of that. No one else really could. Uh, And then Heidi, of course, has the psychokinesis and... The other two, I don't know what they can do. No, but like, you know, they all have certain powers. So they're always going to have energy. So even if they left the house, they would still have to be protective of their space. And so I think it's like almost monthly or every other month, they do cleansings to just try to keep the energy mellow in their house. That is a lot of fucking work. It is. No, thank you. It is a lot of work. I mean, I don't even want to go to the grocery store weekly, much less have to fucking cleanse my house. Right? Can I hire somebody to do that shit? God, I'm lazy. Me too. I'm too lazy for a haunted house. But like facts. (laughs) Yes. Like big facts. (laughs) Oh, gosh. But that is the story of the Eberhardt family. You know, I never want to believe this crap, but I really do like the Dead Files girl, so I kind of want to believe it. Me too. Me too. Because I really do like the Dead Files girl. Well, even Steve, he was like, when he was watching the video and stuff, he's like, either you're a really good actor and you're pulling my leg on all of this, or you really are experiencing all of this shit. But Amy's like, no, 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 they're experiencing this. This is scary shit. And at that time on season eight, that was like one of the most active houses that they had been in. Way to overachieve, but is that really something you want to be an overachiever at? No, 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 no. I feel like that's a no from me. Yeah. You know, I feel like both of our stories had an ending. But like terrible? Yeah, not good. Like, I mean, it's still like no closure, really. But at least they had an ending because your stories have not had endings lately. Well, and you know, some people are like, I mean, really, what is closure? Like your family member still not with you, you know. Yeah. Some people don't, like, they think closure's like a farce, you know. Yeah. But I think it exists. It exists to me. Like, when I get closure, I feel like a relief. Yeah, but we've also never been through, like, what these people have been through. Oh, 100%. Yeah. What are y'all's thoughts on closure? Does it exist? Because we really do want to know what y'all think. So let us know, and don't forget to like, subscribe, review, all the things, and remember. Creep it real. And and don't don't get scared. scared.